Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life. Conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is on The Chosen, the worldwide sensation that, which has released its first eight episodes of what seems to be many more to come on the story of Christ's life, or rather, not so much on Christ's life, but those disciples he chose and gathered around him, hence the name The Chosen. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by Ryan Gelliott, artist, resident geek, and co-host. Welcome, Ryan. Hello. Thank and you. by an old guest, Peter Rosengren. And by old, I don't mean his age. I mean that he has been with us before in a very successful episode on newspapers. Peter Rosengren is the editor of the Catholic Weekly, amongst his other sins, and is very gracious to join us today to talk about The Chosen. Welcome, Peter. You are talking about my age. I know what you're really doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter, I'm getting to that stage in my life where the, where the people who are older than me are fewer and fewer, so I've got to get in the digs while I've still got the time. <laughs> I've got my eye on you, Peter Holmes. I know what's going on around here. Before we get started, just a reminder that if you like the show, you should subscribe to the show on your podcast app, and that way you won't miss an episode. Okay, let's get stuck into it. The Chosen is a TV series. Now, we should sort of set some background. It's um, been produced and released progressively as it is crowdfunded. And so the first eight episodes, or the first season, they're calling it, have been released. And I believe they're available on YouTube as a special release. But mostly it's been released through an app on various uh, devices, such as phones and iPads and things. And again, it's released free, but they um, are funding it via crowdfunding, which is an interesting approach. I don't, I don't recall it happening this way. I've not seen this done uh, in this manner before. So that's an interesting new approach. Mm. Uh, it's a reasonable budget. It's not a massive Hollywood big budget thing, but it's a reasonable budget. It's in the millions and they are meeting their targets. And I saw, I think I saw that they're almost at their budget for the second season now. The, yeah, the that's right. A, that's right. It's yep. a pretty good thing. So today, our purpose is to talk as Catholics about the chosen, about the phenomenon of the chosen, about our experience with it, what's useful about it, uh, what perhaps we might um, think about a little bit more, and you know, uh, start the conversation. It's not intended to be a definitive analysis, but just a simply a conversation starter. So starting out, we'd have to say this isn't a new thing doing movies or screen adaptions of Christ's life has been around since pretty much since screens, really. Um, so maybe I'll defer to the to the media uh, magnate in our midst, um, Peter Rosengren, and ask, um, what do you think are some of the more memorable depictions of Christ's life and perhaps memorable for good and bad reasons? Well, I think without peer is Mel Gibson's passion. Right. Which I think was very different to all of the other movies that Hollywood had largely had produced, um, you know, focusing on the life of Christ. And I think the passion was different. And I think it was uh, that the Rome-based art historian Elizabeth Lev, uh, who's a magnificent writer on history and art and culture, and she said uh, at the time that The Passion came out that it was, it was more like a Caravaggio. It was a, like an old master's painting. Uh, whereas right, Caravaggio, the classic painter who very complex and involved and very yeah. deep in meaning as well. Yeah. That's right. That's right. 
Ryan, what would you say is a is a, a good sort of example of screen? Well, uh, I got to say, Peter took mine. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I got him first. Sorry about that. My first experience of uh, a, a Christ in film was when I was much younger, and it was uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the uh, what is it like four hour movie. Right. And uh, I couldn't stand it when I was younger. I sort of grew to appreciate it, and now it's just one of those films that I've experienced. I think uh, pales in comparison to Mel Gibson's uh, film The Passion, especially uh, excited now as well for the upcoming sequel to The Passion. But uh, I've got to say the the focus has always seemed to be either on Christ or the situation surrounding the story of Christ in a lot of these. And that's what I feel is different with what we see with in The, the chosen. chosen. Yeah. yeah. So the, the Chosen, what you're referring to there is The Chosen seems to give us the perspective from the lives of some of the apostles. Yeah, mm. and it seems to be more of a, a focus on the relationship that they had with Christ and the things that led up to why they seem to latch on to him and why they seem right. to really respond to him. And I think it's a different focus from what I've seen in a lot of other um, – it's something that they do bring in in a lot of other representations of the story, but right. this seems to be more focused on it. So I guess we should say to the listener right now, this show will contain spoilers. If you haven't seen The Chosen, please <laughs> turn off the podcast, go and watch it, or just re- resign yourself to the I think they know where it's going, fact. Peter. I think, the, I think our audience <laughs> know where this story's going to end. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should lead with this in the episode, Mike. This show will contain spoilers. So let's go into some of the characters to give some, you know, examples of this. So the the idea that, for instance, Peter and Andrew are fishermen, we already knew this. This is part mm. of the Gospels. But the whole sort of scenario that plays out the story in the first few episodes is very much related to their fishing. Oh, it's pure Matt, fiction. Yeah. It's absolutely pure fiction, yes. Um, mm. And mm. Uh, the second, like, the Gospel of Matthew, for example, that he, his life, he, he's shunned for being a tax collector, but we already knew that part of the scriptures. What we, what we didn't get is that they add elements to his personality, which uh, I think display an awareness which is much more 21st century than than 1st century in terms of the character mm, that they portray sure. of him. Uh, he's, he's got, um, well, he looks like a person with something like obsessive compulsive disorder or, or high-level Asperger's or, you know, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. His, his repetitious behaviour, his intense focus on details, which most of us wouldn't worry about, you know, his, his ordering of things um, seems to be an attempt to excuse his um, him being a tax collector by some quite uh, quirk of his character rather than some sort of moral lack. Whereas mm. most of the time, a tax collector would have would be normally portrayed as being very much in league with all of the other immoral people in their society. Sinners mm. and tax collectors is a is a category that comes up in scripture. The director was talking in one of the behind the scenes uh, videos about how um, the apostles tend to be lumped in together, and they all seem to be homogenous, sort of like one is one is one they all seem the same and so there was a lot of effort put in to make them seem very different and have their own personalities and and stories um, and i think that really comes across in this one for sure well certainly they've booked out a couple of um so peter and andrew definitely stand out in that list and matthew he stands out because he's yeah. so different to the others very much so yeah and and 
Mary, uh, Miriam, the the character who plays Mary Magdala, uh, seems to. Oh, I think I think she's a standout in her own way. Mm. Um, oh, she's beautiful. She's wonderful. She's, it's a very good character. But would you say that the other apostles stand out as much? I, I, I think they kind of they form the background to Peter and Andrew. Andrew's story, and then they kind of slot into the apostles afterwards. So I think you're still seeing it through Peter and Andrew and, and Matthew, mm. um, and and interestingly Nicodemus, which is a whole other story in itself. Yes, yeah. I think, um, of course, this is episode. This is season one. So th- mm. what they're planning for future seasons, I don't know. There's obviously uh, the, the, the producers of the chosen are obviously not short on imagination. <laughs> and they're pretty good, <laughs> and they're—I would say—they're very good at dialogue, dramatic dialogue. Okay, well, let, let's go there. Let, let's go with what's good about the chosen. So, yep. one yep. of the things that keeps coming up to me when people talk to me about this show and why they pushed me and pushed me to to watch it. Um, I teach scripture at the university, so they, lots of my students are pushing me. I'm currently teaching on the Synoptic Gospels, so they were pushing me. Is this? You know, have you seen this? Can we talk about that? Um, one of the things they kept asking me, especially Catholics, is were the disciples that young? And that surprised me because, of course, they were. They weren't mm. always the old St. Peter that we see in the in, in the icons and, the, mm. <laughs> and all the mm. ancient portrayals of St. Peter because he's martyred some 30-something years after Christ's death. Mm. Of course, he was a young man at Christ's time, but he became an older, you know, you don't just book. You're not just born old and then live for sixty years, but it seems as if a lot of Catholics had in their mind this idea of Saint Peter and Saint Paul, these guys, as being old, wise sort of yeah. apostles, and portraying them as young, walking around with Christ, has really struck people. It's really touched a, a, a you know, sort of a, a nerve with them in a positive way. It's thinking, oh, these guys were j- young, in the sense that we're young and we're experiencing Christ. So. The fact that it focuses uh, quite a bit of time on the fact that Peter is married, that uh, Simon Peter's married and has a wife, and um, and Christ even comes into that space and, and speaks to Peter's mm. wife about it, saying, I know you are one flesh with Peter, and you know his sacrifice is also your sacrifice, but I can't ask you to make uh, ask him to make these sacrifices without you also, you know. And, and it was an interesting... Uh, aspect in that it made me reflect on the fact that um, I hadn't, I guess I knew it up here, but I didn't realize it in my heart. Just they had lives outside of Christ before Christ, and the, the way that they've tied this in in the story that you know there was trouble with um, with the Romans uh, on a more personal level between Peter and and you know and and even Matthew having protection, uh, and then the ramifications of that rejection and things like that that happened in the series uh, right. really drove home the fact that there were individual people that had lives of their own. That's one of the good things about the show. It brings, it brings that, that youth out. Um, uh, uh, Peter, I don't think you're a, you're a convert to the church, aren't you? You're I am. not a cradle. Yeah. Well, you see, being a cradle Catholic, all we ever grew up with was pictures of St. Joseph looking about 65 and holding a bunch of lilies <laughs> in his hand. Seriously. Right. Seriously. And and the Blessed Virgin appears almost universally in, you know, devotional art at least. She looks like a French 
milkmaid from the 19th century and, and often <laughs> often she's she's i think bald uh, no blonde blonde and uh appears to be wearing some kind of makeup right um and this is this is all we've ever grown up with so right. you know um and St Peter and all the apostles the same so this the fact that they were definitely young we know that we know enough historically well they weren't just definitely young and this series has gone to great lengths to portray them as arabs so the the of the of yeah. that area of um the world so they've gone to great yeah. lengths to cast cast characters uh, sorry, actors from at least that look like they could have been in Palestine. In fact, I think yes. Peter, the character yeah. who played Peter, is actually an Israeli. And they also attempt to affect uh, an accent. As far as it goes, it works. I mean, you, you definitely get the sense as, a, as someone from a Western culture yeah. when you're watching yeah. it. Oh, they're trying to show you this is not our culture. This is a different mm -hmm. culture. And so the... Mm -hmm. the Leaving aside the effectiveness of the actual accent, it does nest. It does show us, you know, even in a way, this is a different thing. We've got to sort of adjust our thinking here. But going to the cultural thing, another thing that struck people was the um, the Jewish prayers, the Jewish culture, which we which are mm. woven into the story. So the Shabbat, and I mean, students have I'm teaching Hebrew currently. Students have come up and said, "Is that how you say it?" Yes, it is. Is this the prayer they prayed? Yes, it is. That sounds awfully mm. like the mass. Oh yes, it is. In fact, just like <laughs> I wonder why that could be. <laughs> There's lots and lots of Jewish culture which is coming up now. What's ironic about this is that the Protestant producers have no idea about this. In fact, when mm. the priest who was one of their advisors mentioned the prayers were similar to the mass, not that he knew why, but when he mentioned that. They were surprised. The evangelical yeah. producers were surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the Jewish guy was the only guy in the room not surprised. Um, yes. <laughs> he was the one who knew, yeah, of course you have, because you've stolen everything from us. No, he's just joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the whole point of it was that there's very definitely the Hebraic prayerful culture, the Shabbat, um, the fact that it's such a big deal to do mm. something on the Sabbath, etc. And it we normally associate that idea with the Pharisees, those silly old fuddy-duddies, rules brokers who own, they're the only ones who really care about the Sabbath. No, it was part of everyone's life that you that you were concerned about the Sabbath and not breaking the law of God. And it wasn't that you were rigid and mean about it like the Pharisees were in the story, but you, you know, everyone was concerned about this. This was a, a part of your piety mm. and your relationship with God. So let's come back to the relationship with God part. It's very clear in the text that Peter, if you like, we would say he's lapsed, shall we say. Um, he's, not, <laughs> he's not practicing his faith and his wife is very distressed about the fact he's becoming more and more worldly. In a certain sense, they try to express that by the fact that he, he does this dodgy deal with the Romans um, mm. to sort of sell out his, his, um, his fellow countrymen. This is a part I felt a little bit uncomfortable about. But since we're in the positive section of the show, I'm going to say at least what it did is on multiple levels, it tried to portray that Peter wasn't some angel sitting around waiting to be selected. He actually had, I mean, when he, in the scriptures, he does throw himself at Jesus' feet and say, De go depart from me, I'm a sinful man. So he mm. very definitely sees himself as outside of that. Um, he doesn't see himself as a saint. Um, and the the show attempted to put us in the frame of mind you know that that we were 
we were seeing him as someone who Christ chose in spite of his attitudes and and saw mm. something in him. I think is it Mary, his wife, who says, not not Mary, whoever's Peter's wife is, whatever her name is. She mm. says, I'm glad that Jesus sees in you what I see in you. There's this yeah. kind of mm. <laughs> sort of schmaltzy moment, which I mm. kind of liked. And having said that, I have to admit, I went into this not wanting to like it. Almost every screen adaption of the scriptures I've seen have made me cringe. I've had to deal with silly questions from my students about them for the next years afterwards. So I mm. went in ready to dislike it. And I'm afraid that against my better judgment, I like it. <laughs> I really do like the series. I'll be oh, watching the rest of it. We declare um, our they're, they're, you've run up your colours up on the master. Where'd <laughs> your position? Well, I, I still have. We'd, we haven't got to the problems yet. I, I'm, I've still got lots of problems to mention, but I want to say up front, I actually did find myself really enjoying it as an artistic piece. I once I suspended my uh, little theological niggles about various things, I. I found that I really wanted to see the next scene. I liked the way they were portraying the characters. I enjoyed the struggle of it um, in the most part. And I think that I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it. Um, mm, yes. In, in terms of its devotion, not so much its devotional aspect, but it does actually make me go back and reflect on certain parts of the scriptures, which is a good thing. I, I thought actually one thing that brought a lot of a, a bit of a laugh from me was the fact the. Uh, the Pharisees uh, sent, uh, seemed to be, um, at one part of the series, almost like a detective agency where <laughs> Nicodemus <laughs> has gone out to to find out things and, you know, they come back and discuss things. And it was funny. I felt like it was a bit modernized there and all that. But um, showing that the Pharisees weren't all the same, this show I think does a good job of showing that these groups that we see as, oh, they're just all one type of person, uh, the Chosen really – uh, focuses on the fact that there's the individuals. And one of the things I really enjoyed about this show is Nicodemus's journey through it um, and his openness to this change and, and even being surprised and open to the fact that he wasn't the one that healed Mary. Right. But, but someone else didn't. He, his quest to find out more, um, I really hmm. deeply enjoyed it. And that turn at the end where he just didn't take that final step I think they, they might have set us up there for something in the future season. Oh, yeah, because definitely. You know, the, you know the Christian tradition of Nicodemus, so yeah, yeah, there's, there's more to come there, I think. But just in the dramatisation of it, they, they do so well to, to show that emotional, I guess, aspect yeah. of his journey. Yeah. What about you, Peter? Do you, do you like it? Uh, look, I, I, I have to confess I, I love the show overall. I don't think it's beyond criticism. Oh, no. uh, certainly on historical grounds and things like that, whether Peter really did um, <laughs> um, pretend to be a ring-in or, you know, engage in um, brawls and, and fights. <laughs> Every other week. <laughs> uh, hard, hard to believe, but I don't think uh, – I think really what's important is um, I don't see anything in this series which I think is very, very beautiful – on many occasions all the way throughout the entire first season that we've seen, I don't see anything in there that gives me serious grounds for concern. We have to be cautious, obviously, but I, I'm exactly like Peter. I mean, I, I just um, I didn't want to watch it. I'd heard about it and people said, oh, this is good. And um, 
I knew it was produced by a group of American evangelicals. And I, don't, I, I, I don't know. Seriously, I don't, I don't want to offend anyone's sensibilities out there because – but I, I thought, oh, God, you know, a bunch of wacky American evangelical Protestants. It's, you know, I've seen too many schmaltzy Jesuses and, yeah. and, and you know, um, with all due deference to the Mormons, I think, you know, in their art they showed Jesus as being, you know, blonde and – yeah, not Middle Eastern looking, and so on. At least the ones, the examples I've seen. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't interested really in seeing it. But because of the initial COVID lockdown, one day the boredom just got to me, and I thought, okay, <laughs> we'll give it a shot. <laughs> Do you think that's it. why it's taken off, Peter? That the, the, the it's, oh, I think it's so. hit at a time when the when the app is, you know, everyone's sitting COVID, at home and there's an app there. COVID has been very good for Christian drama. Um, right. And, and so I sat down and and we watched it, or I watched the first episode, and I was hooked right, from yeah. the beginning. Um, there you go. And yeah, look, I look at the costumes and think, in some cases, if memory serves me cor- correctly, they look suspiciously dry cleaned. Clean, the first yeah. century <laughs> working fishermen, you know, they didn't have washing machines and tumble cleaned. dryers and. Um, and uh, the people, no one's missing any teeth, which they certainly would have been in first century uh, Jerusalem. And, yeah, and, in and defence so of that, Peter, they hadn't introduced sugar yet, and so um, a huge part of our modern problem is the fact that we have sugar in our diet. Um, yes, but I do believe they had dates and figs. So, look, I'm, you know, I'm not yeah, a fair dental enough, expert fair on the first century. But it seems to me that whatever criticisms you can make in that regard, you know, to get to the heart of it, they're pretty minor. And, and I sat yeah. down and I was watching it with a critical eye because um, initially because as a Catholic, you know, I, I really want the truth. And, and uh, I've got to say one of the things I love about this series is precisely, I think, where we began this conversation. What they've done, I think, they've done pretty much far better than anyone else. Okay. Um, you know, com- considering now it's always easy to have twenty twenty hindsight, but – we, I think we all agree on the sort of schmaltzy Jesus problem. Yes, yes. You know, uh, the meek and yep. mild schmaltzy Jesus, which which is a Hollywood Jesus. Yeah. Jesus has traditionally spoken with an American accent. There's another possibility there of danger, and I've seen lots of, um, uh, especially coming out of America at the moment, but lots of pictures of Jesus mm. in a muscle shirt or, you know, Jesus, the tough guy <laughs> oh, Jesus. Look, you, oh, please, oh. people, please. Now, you can yeah. get real and you can get organic and not the lovey-dovey guy. Uh, can we can we get back to some, some of the more yeah. problematic things? The first thing sure. I want to say is that I loved the personal approach of the whole thing, the fact that you're looking at it through the eyes of the characters, particularly as they encounter Jesus and experience him, Whenever you translate something from text to screen, particularly when it's a, a text as profound as the scriptures, which in which the text has its own purpose and its own life, if you like, you're going to get the problem of the different mediums. So a screen, even though they use, for example, in some of the scenes, they use the exact words of scripture, it doesn't have the impact. Like the thing you're supposed to be paying attention to in the text doesn't have the same impact. So, for example, just to give the best example I can think of, the paralytic who's healed, you have, they've attempted to draw out the meaning of the text because the main point of that text is Jesus forgives the man. And then the whole scandal of it that Jesus claims to forgive, mm. in, and they say, who can forgive but God? And then Jesus um, makes him walk. 
But the whole emphasis on the text, the lead up to it, the whole setup is dram- dramatized for the physical spectacle of his healing. And so you end up, it's impossible not to be taken by the physical spectacle of the healing. It's the same with Mary's, the casting out of demons in Mary, the physical spectacle of it becomes the, you know, the show. And no objection to that because that's the medium we're dealing with, but you miss the theological point behind it. It's not as emphasised, I think. But, Peter, we, you know, my question would be, uh, are we assessing it as a work of drama or are we assessing it as a work of catechesis? And it, it's a funny kind of thing because I know, obviously, they're they're trying to present the person of Jesus to the world. Mm-hmm. And I think overall they've done a very good job. I think one of the, the positive aspects of it is it's very good at introducing us to the human nature of Jesus. Yes, okay. Through, yep. through his relationships. And, and obviously it's drama. And, and they're not trying to present it as scripture. They're just taking scripture yep. and trying to go to the heart of you know, the essence of it. The human side of it is the big thing there, and I think the advantage of it so far has been that lots of good Catholic people have said to me they love the fact that Jesus is joking and dancing oh, and playing around with his soul. Yeah. When, when he has a go at, um, I think it's Andrew's dancing, and they say, can you do something about it? He says, not even I can fix that. Yeah, there's a kind of a, it's a kind of a, an ir- we might call it irreverent, but I think it's a very organic humanity of christ Mm. and i think that's that's necessary there are hints of that in the gospels by the way jesus calls um two of his disciples sons of thunder it's a it's a very very big like it's a jewish dig at them for their tempers Uh, there's a humanity side of christ sort of hinted at in the scriptures but this kind of organic enjoyment of life the joy that comes through the character he does that very well i think and the show does a great job of of something that i've always really been interested in at least for the last 15 years um those moments in between what's written in the gospels um and if you look at a lot of my sketches not finished drawings but sketches over the last 15 years they really deal with what it would have been like to have been there and and seen in between those moments, sort of, you know, camping out under the stars with Christ, what what would the conversations right. have been like? And uh, and that's what yeah. one thing that really drew me to this, because like you guys, I, I actually wasn't sure if I'd be liking it. And it took me a long time before I, I decided to watch it, even though I downloaded it <laughs> a long time ago. So coming at the, the I need to um, talk about the problems with it. There's lots of little historical anachronisms. Um, they use phrases. They use kinds of um, styles of speech and excitement, which which are very modern. I don't have an objection to that. You're going to get that in every single piece of art. I think you mentioned Peter Caravaggio. Mm. There's lots and lots of art that uses the 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 imagery and the style of person of their time to mm. portray Christ's humanity and and the disciples' humanity. Quite often. Christ and his disciples appear in the the dress that's appropriate for the period of time the 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 painter is painting, and that's not an unusual thing. Uh, what my concern is is that apart from the sensational sort of uh, sensationalization and the t- of going to screen, is that it's quite clearly coming from a Protestant perspective. And when I went behind the scenes to listen to the Catholic um, advisor comment on each episode, he he's not picking this up. Uh, the, for example, when they go back to Abraham to talk about faith, and Abraham has this little flashback in the show, he says, "Faith, not reason." You know, he he very clearly 
enunciates the Protestant mm. position about faith and reason, mm. Mm. Uh, that reason is not to be trusted, only belief, um, which is consistent with the Protestant position, certain types of Protestant, um, but not with the Catholic position. It's very clearly against the Catholic position on that. He, um, and whenever they've touched on sacramental things, like when it, whenever it's come to the understanding of sacramental things, such as the woman at the well, um, conversations there, it's very clearly going into the symbolic language, not into the sacramental language. So it, it, my concern is that it's it's going to, as it goes through the story, um, reflect a Protestant interpretation of Scripture, which is the sim symbolic nature of the of Christ's um, sacrifice and sac rather than the sacramental understanding that we have and is and is central to our understanding of scriptures um, i don't think that prohibits its use i don't think it's it makes it a deal breaker i'm more concerned because i've seen a series start out reasonably well before like the left behind series which started out with the protestant idea of the end of the world and then went absolutely loopy you do know that the guy who wrote that series is the father of the director. <laughs> the guy who wrote Left Behind is the father of the director, That's although it. he has distanced himself from his father's work, so he's not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, not, he's not the same boat, and I'm trying yeah. not to tar him with the same brush, but that series went off the rails in a way that was just... The artistic licence went, went crazy. I don't think they'll do that with this. The, the gospel stories are too... You know, there's, the details are so clear in Scripture, you can't dodge around them. But... I'm. I think that it's not a substitute for scripture reading. I don't think it's appropriate for a Bible study. I think that if someone is well versed in the scriptures, they know the stories well. It might be a good reflection, like an artistic reflection on the scriptures. But I'm not convinced that it would be good as catechesis or something like that. But you see, I'm. I'm not sure that they're offering it as a substitute for scripture study. I think that. I think yes, obviously, the best way to study scripture is to study scripture. I. I right. I think that. Um, my opinion um, would be, or my reading would be, that you could easily use this, you know, under the guidance of, um, you know, a good catechist or parish priest or religious who could help to bring, help use it to help bring alive, you know. And this is always the central uh, problem for trying to share faith. How do you bring it alive and make it meaningful, another, meaningful for another person? I, I, I would say it's a good tool. It's not the scripture. It's not the word of God, um, and it can never be a substitute for it. Uh, and yes, I, I think what you say about um, that scene uh, regarding Abraham perfectly true. But for me, it's not a deal breaker. It's not a game changer. I think that, um, and it could be problematic from a Catholic point of view because it, it may begin to lead people down that path. But I just have the feeling, and I know this is subjective. That overall, it's very good and very useful. You and I are talking from the point of view of people who've read the scriptures, know the stories reasonably well, and and this is a kind of an artistic interpretation, which is a mm. devotional, you know, mm. and we can it enhances our contemplation of the story. What I'm dealing with is when I have a classroom full of people who are they've chosen to study scripture, they've come into a scripture class, mm. and yet the impressions from screen are so powerful that you're constantly i'm seeing that the impression from the screen is is much more powerful in the human brain than what mm. they've read yeah and so when someone's inexperienced and they haven't got the background of a the story they've got a you know there's there's a 
it's an overwhelming sensation and you, I'm constantly having to talk to the to the screen if you like to say hang on it's not like that having this show as an introduction and sort of something almost uh, just before you read scriptures so so something that that allows them to formulate something in their mind so they can ask questions uh, having people at least dip their toes into the gospel that way but not relying solely on that you know it's something then that in your classes you have people asking questions and and really encountering Christ in the gospel in that way it becomes mm-hmm. a, a invaluable tool in that it it creates that relationship already with this understanding of a personal god of of this personal relationship with Christ um and i think that's one of the things i really like about it is that it that, like i said before that focus on relationship okay. well i think the other thing you could add to that too is that they're asking peter questions because they're interested now and this right, series has right. got them interested um and uh, I, I, I'm certain Peter is perfectly correct in what he's saying about um, that those slightly prob- problematic aspects to it, which Peter may see as more than problematic. <laughs> um, but um, uh, th- this is why I think it's a, it's a fascinating phenomenon. Like many Catholics who've seen this, and even um, many of my Protestant friends who've seen this, there is a certain image we have of Christ and his disciples, and it usually comes through the artwork and the presentations we see of them teaching Mm. later in their life. This this has been a refreshing sort of reminder that it came, you know, there's there's a youthful liveliness of the stories of the Gospels because even Christ only got to 33. You know, this Mm. is a... Very, still a reasonably young group of people following a man who's not an old person by any imagination and they are in that prime of their life involved in weddings involved in other situations where other people are you know very very much mm. um young and joyful and compassionate and those sorts of things are hard to portray you know in writing and the filmmakers have done that so just to be clear mo- i think we all agreed that um Anything we've said uh, for or against the show, we're saying absolutely people can watch it and it's a, it's a positive thing um, as long as you're not watching it as if it's the Bible. And I don't think any of us are, are portraying that as, the, as a goal there. Mm. We probably have plenty more discussions to go on with, but we've run out of time. So that's it for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing with your podcast device, let us know. We'd love to hear what you think about The Chosen and particularly about the points that we've raised here. And if we've got it wrong, let us know. You can subscribe to the podcast at thiscatholiclife.com.au or you can drop us a line on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook or Discord or info at thiscatholiclife.com.au. Be sure to write us a review on iTunes. And remember that this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast and we think that's an idea worth getting behind. So tell your friends. Before we go, it's time for a shout-out. Ryan. I want to shout-out to all creatives out there that are trying to share the faith. I mean, this is a great example of that. So uh, cheers to you guys. Nicely done. Peter. Well, my shout-out is to readers or potential readers of the Catholic Weekly website because a few weeks ago, uh, Marilyn Rodriguez, uh, one of our journalists, and she's an excellent journalist, interviewed Jonathan Rumi, the character who plays Jesus in The Chosen. She got a long interview with him, um, and it's up on our website, www.catholicweekly.com.au. I'll say that one more time. No, I won't. Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, we'll put it in the show uh, notes, Pete. And so that, that was great. So if anyone's interested in, in the interview with Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus, um, go to the website and you can uh, catch up with it there. Yeah. I want to shout out to all the people who responded to... I threw up a, a thing on Facebook page to say we're going to do a show on The Chosen. Um, and what do you guys think? And lots of people gave me lots of insights. I really appreciated your insights. Some of them have come up, you may have noticed, in our conversation so far. But a special shout out to Peter Rosengren and to Jovina and Marilyn, who all prod- prodded me at some stage and said, you should check out this show. So I, I want to thank you for that. It has been a vastly positive experience um, when I didn't expect it. And I've, I'm thoroughly waiting with eager um, anticipation for the next uh, version of the show. So thank you. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. <laughs> okay. That's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life. <laughs>